Hey, welcome to Institute of Biblical Defense. My name is Pat, and I am with Dr. Phil Fernandez, the senior pastor at Trinity Bible Fellowship and the president of the Institute of Biblical Defense. I want to put a, a shameless plug out to his website, philfernandez.org, and that is Fernandez with an S. Uh, go there. You got a, a lot of resources there. Also, proclaiming the gospel. We're going to continue our, uh, our series on different Bible questions that unbelievers and believers uh, ask a lot. Uh, last week, we talked about, can a believer lose their, sa- or lose their salvation? Today, we're going to look at, is Jesus the only way to be saved? And this question goes to Dr. Phil Fernandez. Thanks, Pat. Yeah, the question, is Jesus the only way to be saved? Well, if we acknowledge the Bible as God's word, it's really clear. Jesus said, in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Acts 4, 12 tells us that there's no other name under heaven whereby we would we must be saved. And that's the name of the Lord Jesus. So it's really, really clear in the scriptures that the Bible teaches that there's salvation in no one else. But how do we convince other people that salvation is only in Jesus if they don't already believe that the Bible is God's word. Well, first thing I would say is that theism, the belief in a personal infinite creator God, a God who is capable of performing miracles, that's the only game in town. What I mean by that is that polytheism has problems with it, these finite gods all canceling themselves out. Atheism doesn't doesn't deal with it. It wouldn't produce the morality real moral laws and the human reason, none of that would make sense. Uh, The design in the universe shows that there has to be an intelligent designer. The fact that the universe had a beginning means it had to have a cause. So in the end, when everything is said and done, there has to be a creator God. And if, if there's a God who could create the whole universe out of nothing, then if that God wants to communicate with us, he could perform miracles and intervene in the affairs of man and transcend uh, the laws of nature by performing supernatural uh, events to uh, catch our attention. And so I think in the end, it's, it's, it comes down to either Judaism in its present stage, which rejects Jesus, or Islam, which rejects Jesus, or Christianity. It comes down that there is, that nothing makes sense unless there is um, an all-powerful, all-just God. True. And so it comes down to that. Now, the question is, how do we get to this one God? Well, I guess in the present state of Judaism, since they've rejected Jesus as their Messiah, and in Islam, which believes you can earn your salvation by your own works and submitting to Allah, I guess their concept of God, he isn't really just, because in the end, he forgives sins while just sweeping the sin under the rug. There, uh, But if God is really just then God, in order to forgive sin, he must punish all sin first. True. And so God cannot, for God to be just, he has to um, punish sin, all sin, in order to be able to forgive sin. And so what we need is a substitute sacrifice for our sins. Someone has to pay the price for our sins, but that substitute sacrifice has to be ultimately worthy. Because all sin, even the smallest sin, is rebellion against the ultimately worthy being, i.e. God. So if there's going to be 
a substitute sacrifice, the substitute sacrifice has to be ultimately worthy. By the way, if you've rebelled against the ultimately worthy being, you deserve the ultimate in punishment. I know of no punishment more ultimate than eternal separation from God, eternal conscious torment, what we call hell or the lake of fire or Gehenna. And, uh, but if there's going to be a substitute sacrifice, the substitute sacrifice has to be ultimately worthy. The substitute sacrifice has to be God. But God as God cannot die, yet a sacrifice has to die. And so in order to represent man and to be able to die, God, the second person of the Trinity, had to become a man to become the ultimately worthy substitute sacrifice for our sins. And um, so uh, unless there's an ultimately worthy uh, sacrifice for our sins, we're still dead in our sins. And so Jesus is the only way for us to be saved. This is why Paul could say, while he says in Romans 5, verse 8, that God demonstrates his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Yet in Romans 3, around verses 24 through 28, he says that God demonstrates his justice by Jesus dying on the cross. So how loving is God? God is so loving that he sacrificed his own son, his beloved son, in our place. Uh, How just is God? God is so just that he cannot allow sinners into heaven uh, except by sacrificing his son in our place. And so, yes, uh, uh, salvation is only through the Lord Jesus because we need an ultimately worthy substitute sacrifice for our sins. God the Son had to become a man to take our sin upon himself and to die on the cross for our sins. Now, I know you said that uh, he had to be uh, worthy he also had to be able, and he also had to be willing. Yeah. So I forget the phrase. Uh, I wish I could remember. I'm drawing a blank. Whether Jesus was able to sin and chose not to, or he was not able to sin at all. Now, I, I can't think of the, the word. Uh, as soon as I hear That's it. the peccability, peccability impeccability. versus impeccability. That, exactly. This is a big debate among Christian theologians whether Jesus was capable of sinning, whether he was peccable. Of course, all conservative theologians agree that Jesus uh, did not sin. He's without sin. Second yes. Corinthians 5.21, and as mentioned, he's a lamb without blemish. Peter tells us that. And so uh, we know Jesus didn't sin, but was he possible for him to sin? That's peccability. And then impeccability says it's impossible for him to sin. Well, the Bible teaches it's not possible for God to sin. True. We know it's possible for God to become a man because he did become a man. And so even though having a human nature entails having the possibility for sin, um, that being God, uh, his divine nature would have canceled out the human nature's possibility of sin. True. And so, I, you know, it's possible to invade um, uh, 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 an unstoppable army, uh, an army that's impossible to defeat. You could still invade him, but you're still going to lose. And so I think that there, I think, I think Satan was a peccabilist. He thought it was possible. Now that God became a man, maybe I can get him to sin and defeat God. Uh, but he's wrong. I, I don't believe that it was possible for Jesus to sin. Now, good theologians like Charles Hodge 
the 19th century reform scholar out of Princeton. He disagrees, uh, but I think that I'm in good company. There's, uh, uh, you know, the late Norman Geisler and uh, many of the theologians we read today, the evangelical Bible-believing theologians, many of them believe that uh, Jesus was impeccable, and I, I agree with them. I do, too. Uh, it's just like my like my father, my earthly father. I mean, he kind of ruled the roost, and even though I might have ideas, it was his house, his rules, and I kind of look at it the same way. I believe he was impeccable. He was unable to, like you said, the, the divine nature overruled the uh, human nature. Yeah, impossible for God to fail. Yeah, That's what exactly. what an powerful being is. And by failing, sin is failing. Yeah. It's missing the mark. So uh, we're going to kind of sh shift places, but it's going to lead right into our next question. And we might hit it this time and we might hit it next week. Uh, so is Jesus the only way to be saved? Okay, Mormonism. They use all the Christianese just like we do. Uh, and I don't mean any disrespect when I say Christianese, uh, I'm saying that they'll use Jesus, they'll use salvation, they'll use grace, they'll use all the same terminology that a evangelical Christian uses, but we got to sit back and we got to define, uh, define what these are. So when you say, is Jesus the only way to be saved? We look at the, the Mormon Jesus. He's not the, the redheaded Irishman that you see all the time inside their, their churches, uh, and he's also not the Hebrew Israelites, the African-American Jesus. We look at him as a Middle Eastern, darker complexion, olive complexion uh, Jesus. So with that, is Jesus the only way to be saved? So if a Mormon truly puts his faith in Jesus inside of Mormonism, are they saved? Well, there might be some Mormons who are confused in Mormon doctrine that aren't taught Mormon doctrine, and they might believe in the true Jesus of the Bible, but they're Mormons in name only. If they hold to Mormon doctrine, they're definitely not saved. True. Mormon doctrine is a different Jesus. It's a, in order to become God, the first God had to be a man on a planet who achieved godhood. And, um, and so in their view, Jesus wasn't always God. He was a man on a planet who progressed to godhood, and now he's getting better as God. But there's a numerable amount of gods who are even greater than him. Someday, if Mormon males get married in the temple and progress to godhood, they'll become a god of their own planet. And someday, they'll be as great of a god as Jesus is. Of course, Jesus will be much greater uh, by that point, but there's other gods greater than him. Isaiah 43.10 just shuts that down. God says, before me there was no God formed, yes. nor will there be one after me. So the Mormon Jesus is a false Jesus. It's not the true Jesus of the Bible, and only the true Jesus of the Bible saves. Jesus is God. He existed throughout all eternity as God, the second person of the Trinity, and at a point in time he was conceived in the womb of Mary and added a human nature without subtracting from his divine nature. And so the Mormon concept of a Jesus who wasn't always God and their polytheism, their belief in many gods and their belief that in eternal progression that Mormon males can become God someday places them clearly outside of salvation and clearly outside of biblical Christianity. That's an excellent answer. Uh, I lived in Utah for about nine years. And before going down there, I was baptized as a Seventh-day Adventist. Basically, all I did was take a bath with my clothes on uh there was really nothing behind that moved to utah lived there for nine years and 
got into got involved with the Mormon church, became a Mormon. I was just thinking I didn't I didn't have uh, religion growing up whatsoever. Uh, going through there, went through the temple and all that and did all the endowments. And uh, we can speak of this another story. I only got a couple more minutes. But we had one of the quorum of the 70 come into our house because we were talking about leaving. We'd already been studying and we were kind of like walking away. I'd been asking a lot of questions. Why are we learning about Joseph Smith, Joseph Fielding Smith, Ollivander, or whatever, Snow, all these other people. I'm like, all right, uh, when are we going to actually learn about Jesus? So anyway, so I started bringing up questions and we had James Gaskell was one of the members of the quorum of the 70 actually sat in my living room and we had talked about the Bible and stuff like that. And obviously they regurgitate. We believe in the Bible as far as it is interpreted correctly. And I'm like, okay. So I reached around, I grabbed a Bible, set it in, on my t- coffee table in front of him, open it up. And I said, what is not interpreted correctly? And he couldn't point to it. And I guess what goes to what you were just saying, like, like a minute left is uh, we were talking about Coca-Cola and all that. I'm like, all right, well, Mormons can't drink Coca-Cola because of the caffeine or whatever. And he made a comment and he says, on my planet, uh, we'll be able to do whatever we want. And he said that his firstborn will uh, basically die for the sins of his planet. And it was at that moment right there that I said, are you kidding me? And I just like, and I was like this, I wasn't even a baby believer. I was more like a little tadpole. And I, I knew something was wrong right there. And I basically asked him to uh, politely leave and left the house. And that was the last time I had anything to do with Mormonism except for witnessing to them. And uh, that'll tie us kind of back uh, into next week. Like I said, we've got a, like about a minute left. Uh, but yeah, that was that was my experience when the that progression of man into godhood. And when I witnessed that and when he actually sat across from me and said that, it blew. I, I just, I, I, I was at a loss for words. I didn't know the Bible. I didn't know that, but I knew there was reverence to the Bible. And I already realized that there was the Book of Mormon and the Bible were at odds to at, with, with each other. So I already knew that. But yeah, I just wanted to share that experience. And it was kind of, it was def, definitely kind of crazy. But yeah, we'll tie into that next week. Uh, again, if you have any questions, Definitely send us, uh, you can send us emails, you can, uh, through philfernandez.org, you can send us a little note through that, uh, definitely plug the Institute of Biblical Defense, but anything, look at Sermon Audio, forward, uh, com forward slash IBD for, and he's got extensive, uh, uh, videos and teachings on Mormonism. Uh, thank you for joining us today, and again, God bless, and please visit our websites. Thank you.